This podcast contains adult content, so if you've got little ears in the car, you may want to turn it down. We also go deep into the emotional, spiritual, and energetic worlds, so please open your hearts and proceed with care. As soon as your outer vestments are in hand, I know you're easy. Even when you're a woo 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 Welcome to the Woo-Woo-verse. It is your safe space full of fellow flamingos who love to talk about soul awakening and like spiritual stuff. Definitely about our crystal collections, probably too much, about how many essential oils we have, what our dharma is, our thoughts on karma, and all of that jazz. I am Kiki. And I'm Lynette. And we are your intrepid guides. And in today's episode, we are also your spiritual agony aunts. Oh my goodness, aren't we pleased about that? (laughs) All year, we've been asking you to send in your questions for our mailbag episode, and you really responded, and we are so grateful. It is a very full mailbag we have for you today. We gather them together, and we are here to give you the answers that you're looking for, basically. Yeah, we're going to dig deep, aren't we? We're going to play the game of spiritual trivial pursuit and see if we can nail this. Yes. And also opinions, we've got them. (laughs) Just a few. Got them all over the place. (laughs) Not afraid to share them. Um, We also did want to mention that where we are at the moment, we record separately, but in both places, it's about 100 million degrees today, isn't it? We're in. And humid where I am. Yes, me too. Sweating it up. Yeah, we are in full Australian summer. So if you just want to like picture what's going on here, we both currently have tea towels wrapped around ice bricks sitting in our laps. Yeah, we do. And yep. some of us may be in our underpants or not. Some of us we may just be sitting here in our knickers. Who could even tell? I wouldn't even know. And on that visual image, let's begin. Um, oh, we're be- we're beginning right at the top, I think. I, we've talked about this in past episodes, and yet the questions still keep coming. We get so many questions about twin flames in the work that we do. And again, opinions, we've got them. So let's start there. Krista from Melbourne asks, you talked about twin flames and soulmates. Does everyone have one of each? And can you clarify if they are the same or different? And then LS asks, Do the same twin flames cross paths in every lifetime? Is there only one for each life? For example, if my partner is my twin flame, does that mean we have had many lives together and we are not getting it right or we can't get enough of each other? Or is it more aligned to when have we learnt the lessons we are supposed to learn and then we won't cross paths in the next life? Wow, Get in there, Elle. question. Get in woo, there. Woo, crew. <laughs> <laughs> okay, twin flames. Whew. Okay, just a small topic to start, but mm-hmm, obviously mm-hmm. a much loved and important topic. So twin flames are not the same as soulmates. A twin flame can be a soulmate. Can we please say that again? Can we like really so that we may never have to say it ever again to anyone at any point. So it's super clear. I think it's obvious why it gets tangled, right? Because they're all souls and we're clashing into them and there's some kind of sticky Velcro energy and we feel the connection. But they are different. They are mm-hmm. different. They A twin soul could be a soulmate. You could say that. So let's clarify. These are both very specific agreements 
to your soul. You've made it to them and they've made it to you. It has to be mutual. But what is different is the agreement and the frequency that they're using. So a twin soul or a twin flame has shared or exchanged some of their frequency with you in another lifetime, meaning you hold a template or an energy of them within your soul frequency. So it's really big. And all you have to do is think of twins and identical twins. They have two auras, but they also are surrounded by one aura. So my twins are identical. They are pretty much identical except for their fingerprints in some ways. So basically they have complete recognition of each other on a DNA level almost. They replicate each other and that's what happens in energetic frequency as well. Now when you're close to that, it's like the ultimate connection to yourself. It feels like you are making oneness with something outside of you. So it almost feels divine or godly. It's very, very intense. It is rarer than people think. So it's not like everybody has a twin flame that they're going to meet in this dimension, in this lifetime, although it is possible. And if you've experienced it and you understand this, you will know what I'm talking about. But there is a difference between meeting that and meeting somebody that you have a very intense engagement and agreement and memory of that you've lived another experience or another time with. For example, they could be a mentor, a friend, someone in your family, a lover, a teacher. They could be a dog. You know, you could have a soulmate connection with your dog, meaning I know you from another time and we have an agreement of what you may do for me in this lifetime and I may do for you. So you may help me get through college. I may help you move out of a marriage. I may teach you about spiritual work. I may help you break up with somebody because I've walked into your life and given you the sex of your, you know, mind-blowing last 10 years and you might go, that's it for me. I have no doubt that you've done that for people, Lynette. I have no <laughs> doubt that that was you. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. No. And so the, the energy of that can be really vast. The agreements mm. can be really, really big. You know, I could be the landlord that really drives you bonkers for six years that's a soulmate it doesn't have to be a love connection we've somehow romanticized every single connection yes. because of things like what's those bloody rom-coms like all of them oh, every single one yeah. of them ever so this is this is where i yes, it's true yeah this is where i see a lot of um people not understanding not full understanding about what a twin flame is mm. um Exactly, exactly. A twin flame is not your Prince Charming. A twin flame is not your happily ever after. A twin flame is not the end of the movie where they finally declare their love to you. That is romantic comedies. That is love addiction. That is Hollywood. That is fantasy. And it's all really delightful. But that's not what this is. And everything we know about a spiritual journey and a spiritual awakening is it's rough. <laughs> There's a lot in it. It's ongoing work. So I think a lot of the questions I get in the work I do about twin flames, what people are really asking is where's my my 
husband or wife where's my and there tends to be women who date men who have had all this Hollywood stuff put into their brain and the Mm. patriarchy for so long who have been given this idea that there's a one that there'll be a wedding day that there'll be a happily ever after people get that a bit confused with the whole concept of twin flame and and soulmate and in fact twin flame and soulmate is much bigger it's much bigger and it's difficult growth and work and expansion and it's ongoing and it might not be the person you marry. Like it just might not be. Well, very often not because mm. it's combustible energy yes. by nature. Yep. You know, the name yep. gives it away. It's a yep. flame-like energy. And when you bring two flames together, it makes a bloody big bonfire. Yep. And unless those two people are incredibly spiritually evolved and able to know what to do to create something with that energy, it's liable to be destructive and healing. Yep. And you kind of, it cracks the seed. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It opens the seed like a bushfire and sends out the growth. But the soulmate, I think we need to look at it more like friendships can be yeah, soulmates. Yep. You know, we are helping each other along. What do the Buddhists say? Noble friends. Mm. Even people who are the shittiest person in your life that you think, God, you irritated my antlers. I'm so angry. They probably have helped those antlers in you grow. They've helped some part of you change, but they don't necessarily have to come in and be giving you, you know, the Valentine's love heart at on the 14th of February, that's not necessarily what a soulmate is. Mm. And I think also in terms of this, if you're thinking about twin flames and wanting to call them in, be careful what you wish for because you're not calling in the happily ever after. And the scene at the the end of the movie (laughs) where it all just falls into place and it's happily ever after, you're calling in deep soul work. And and yeah. I see a lot of people, as women especially, who've like manifested these relationships that they, they d- then don't know what to do with because they didn't manifest a, a whole point. person with a real personality and a multitude of issues and that contains multitudes. They manifested a fantasy and, and that's not You're reality. You're right, Kiralee. You make an enormously great point here, which is that we have been told we can conjure this energy Mm. and bring it to us. Uh And I think if you're doing that, you're missing a part of yourself. And missing the point. You need to find the part of yourself. Now, I want to say that if you are in a twin flame agony and you were like, I was just standing at the bus stop and then this happened to me, I get it. You don't necessarily need to be sitting in your house throwing roses into a bowl and conjuring it up to to receive this kind of energy and this lesson. If you are in it, it is because you're meant to be in it. But the key is to know how to get through it without thinking like through fantasy language. You have to get out of fantasy and go, this person's here. What are they trying to teach me? What agony are they trying to show me about being separated, being disconnected? What are my wounds they're touching? Within me. Yes. yes. And what was the other part of that question? Uh, so we asked about if we cross paths in every life and if it's a matter of not getting work done and then therefore or not get yet yeah, not getting mm. work done and then we bump into each other again. Very much so. That can be very much the truth that you haven't you have an outstanding connection mm. that you didn't fulfill and then they come back. I'll tell you what I believe after reading so many people about this. I believe that most times There'll only be one big, particularly if it's a romantic or a deep intimate connection, there'll only be one of these on the plane runway of your life at the same time. Mm -hmm. So you you have to resolve the big one that's on your runway to move it out out of the way so the the next next one can land. Otherwise, everyone else will be an in the meantime kind of bumper car lover until you kind of sort this energy Mm -hmm. out. So they do have contracts and they do have a length of time they stay 
it is really good to do a good exit, a mindful exit mm-hmm. to completely release them. And yeah, if they haven't finished the contract or you can't do it this lifetime, for example, say you meet someone and there's a deep love and they've got a wife and children and you think, what am I going to do about that? They're not ready to leave. I'd like that connection to continue. What are we going to do? And if there isn't any other option, you have to say, well, none of the circumstances this lifetime are reading as though this is possible. So I will let it go and then see if it comes back. And yeah, if you have unfinished business, it will always come back when it's meant to. There's a great quote from Trap Yoga Bay that is about unfinished business, that sometimes the universe will send an ex back to you again just to check to see if you're still a stupid hoe. (laughs) And I think sometimes when the ex gets sent back, especially if it's a twin flame thing, we're like, oh, my God, this is obviously a sign it's meant to be, as opposed to this is my opportunity to show that I've done the work and I have separated and I am clear and I have changed and it'll be presented to me and I'll go, no, still no, still no. And just not a stupid hoe anymore. Many a woman who thought, oh, I don't want the relationship side of it. I might just take the sexual side of it because I've really grown in my power. That'll be fucking possibly go wrong. Be great. Oh, look, I've been there. Because that energy entwines in your frequency and you don't want to let it go. It's almost like being connected to the divine directly it's it's like a direct shot so it's not a great idea and we need to really make that clear I think the other thing is they asked if they would cross paths again Mm. if the lessons were learned you can absolutely and you will have known this in your own life when you meet someone you think I know you but then you don't get close or they've got a they've got something going on with their life and you've got something going on with your life but there's a recognition but you don't think we should go out for coffee. You yeah. just think, nice of you over there. Hi. Yeah, nice to meet it's you. Kind of like, yeah, mm. your plane's going that way, mine's going that way. But mm. I think in another time, we may have had more to say to we each other. We journeyed together, yes. All right, next question. Who have we got? We have got David from Sydney. So, so much interest in our Dark Forces episode. This is a Dark Forces mm. question. I wondered while I was listening to the Dark Forces episode about walk-ins and energies that don't follow the rules and aren't human. Is that possible? I'm intrigued. Have you encountered these things? Do you believe in them? And what would you do about that? Yeah, that's a deep question. Walk-ins. Okay, there's two perceptions of walk-ins in the New Age kind of movement. One is that a walk-in literally is a soul that takes over a body and moves another soul out. So people go, that's Mm -hmm. not the same person in that body anymore. There's another perception of it being that somebody or a soul walks through the auric field and Mm -hmm. you can literally feel them walking through your body and you can sense that it's almost like you get pushed out for a second Mm -hmm. and then you come back in. Mm -hmm. Now that, I think that happened in Ghosts, you know, with Patrick Swayze and Whoopi Goldberg and Demi Moore. Did that lead directly to the pottery wheel scene? I think it may have, yes. I don't think (laughs) Well, we can go back and watch that scene if we need to. And we all should this festive season when we maybe have some days off, yes. But that's, that's something that can happen. It is rare, but it can happen. The closest thing I've ever seen to that is I have had a few clients and I even had a personal friend who had a puppy dog before they fell pregnant and were having their children. 
And then once they had their children, either their puppy dog died shortly after the baby was born and the sole of the puppy almost looked like it had moved into the baby. So the personality changed. The other thing I've known people to say is that the dog just became really placid, almost neutral in personality once the baby was born. So that has happened and I know people write to me about that all the time. Is it possible that the soul of my dog was my child and then once the Mm. body was here, that happened? So that's weird. The other thing I'll say is that energies that aren't human or haven't been human for a long time that are irregular or tortured – they are more difficult to work with, as we discussed. Well, yeah, the question that the David asked was what energies. would we do about it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they are. I have a few Harry Potter scars. I had a cross fly off the wall only two weeks ago when I was working on this energy and the wind that whipped up around the room while I was reading was actually really scary and that was because somebody had had energy like that around them in a space Mm -hmm. and we were moving it off it's not work for the faint-hearted you do have to have a Gandalf-like frequency about it and I have a really strong take on it that unless it's my true karmic responsibility I kind of don't take it on I won't step in or do it so don't Mm -hmm. mess with it if you think that's happening hand it over to somebody who really it is their field and the other thing is try not to overly think about this stuff because energy goes where attention flows so if you're stuck in the dark forces and all that kind of stuff yeah you've got to wonder what darkness you're trying to heal within yourself yeah, because yeah. that's what it's kind of attaching itself to yeah as well all right going from the darkness to the light now Bronnie from sydney asks i'm new to all of this and i wonder hi Bronnie, welcome and yeah. i wonder how i go about finding more like-minded souls to connect with what would you suggest in helping me find more woo-woo people? Aww, welcome. Welcome to the well, Flamingo well, Gang. You found the right place. Yes. My immediate advice here is move to Byron Bay, which is where I'm currently living. <laughs> and in Aww, fact, you yes. will be one among many. One among many. Yes, full of yeah. woo-woo souls. <laughs> well, I, my theory on this is whatever's good for your soul, do that. Because that's usually where you'll find the same energy as mm. you and the thing is energy people follow energy don't mm. they which is why they end up in byron bay so it's not a logical thing you don't go and it's funny isn't it it's not just at the yoga shower it's not just at the vegan mm. cafe yeah it's often could be a walking group or yep. a book club yep. or it's whatever the vibe is that you're seeking see if you can feel it in yourself and follow that charm and then you end up in an open-hearted space and that flow kind of yes. follows and creates a magnet. That's kind of how I would think Yeah, you create the vibration that will attract people to you. You can think of it like a jigsaw puzzle that will fit into you. So you get clear on what your jigsaw puzzle looks like. And it's it can mm. be when you start to open up to this, it can be a little scary because you're like, what if it's not true and it's all nonsense? What if I'm crazy? What if people will judge me? What what if, what if, what if? And And I'm speaking very much from personal experience here. It took me a long time to go, this is who I am and I'm okay with it. It's all right. And then I noticed it was so much easier for me to start the conversations with people that wasn't just, hi, how you doing? Good. Tell me about your house. Tell me about your job. You know, like that real surface level stuff. It made it much easier for me at the party to ask a question that led to a deeper conversation. And so learning to how to ask 
deeper conversation questions in really friendly ways at the baking group, at the walking group, at yes. the bus stop is a really nice yes. way to find your people because you'll ask and some people will be like, um, bye. <laughs> yeah. And you'll ask and some people will be so relieved. They'll be like, I have been waiting for somebody to ask me something yeah. real. Don't do Absolutely. it the way I did it where I did a lot of ayahuasca and then at the party was the only person who wanted to talk about God and death and they were my two opening questions. Maybe tread a little gentler than <laughs> that, that might initially. Have been too straightforward. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I think also the thing is when you have that uncomfortableness about this part mm. of yourself inside, you kind of attract people who also then reflect that back. Whereas when mm. you're like, I'm happy, I'm happy with this, I feel comfortable mm. with it, you tend to just find the crew that feel the same way. I actually did an inventory in my world and I have so few people that I just cannot speak the language of energy within mm. my world anymore like yep. and that's not necessarily because i've eliminated them all it's just but that it's a realignment I isn't it don't really think outside this world anymore so it's very unlikely that anyone's going to stick around maybe they've eliminated themselves yeah and then being replaced by others that are happy to have the conversation but it, yeah it's a it is a thing. It's a vibe. It's a tribe vibe thing, isn't it? Yeah. And this doesn't just go for finding woo-woo people. This goes for finding if you've come out and you're trying to find your people. If you want to find the queers. Find relationship. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's everything, isn't it? It's like yeah. just find that safe space in you about mm. who you are and then it kind of magnetizes. Okay. Jen from the UK asks, can I – oh, I'm, I love this question. Can I resolve a relationship with a loved one after they have passed? if we didn't get to do it beforehand? Oh, that is such a great question. It's such a great and question. And you know what? There'll be a lot of people out there asking the same thing. Mm. And the answer is absolutely. Yes, a thousand fact, times some yes. people's soul is only receptive and ready to have that conversation and connection and release after they have transmuted enough gunk from this world and they can see things from a higher perspective. Isn't it wild that there are some relationships you cannot resolve while the person is here in no, their body? You can you only can't. do it when they get to the other side. And it, then it's so beautiful and healing and magnificent and easy and spectacular. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's yep. so true. And do you know, I've actually had a few experiences and I've encouraged others that I've worked with who are in this experience that if you have tried to resolve it in this world and you're getting a uh, pushback and that person doesn't want to talk about it mm. or doesn't want to go there and it's making things horrible and you've tried, let it go and trust that it will happen It'll once come back they through. move over. And yeah. in fact, you'll probably feel it happen quicker. And I'm a big believer in writing a letter, writing a letter to mm. their angel guides, their spirit guides, to their soul and saying it all, how you felt, what you wished had happened, what didn't happen, what it did to you, what mm -hmm. you want and ask for that release, ask for that transmutation of that frequency to happen from a higher, yep. higher space and then burn the crap out of that letter <laughs> and send it into the ether, blowing it on the wind. Yep. And it's like email, energetic mail, I call yep. it, and you just release it. Now their soul 100% feels the frequency of those words, receives the energy, receives the letter. And honestly, I've had so many stories about this and you will remember this when we were learning this and in the journey, is that people had major things come back very Incredible quickly. Incredible like things. sign. People walk in and say things to them and, you know, you just get this feeling of a dream yep. that they release you. Yep. So it's 100% yep. something you can do, isn't it? 
In the sleep space is a really good way to do it. You can, if you feel comfortable mm. in the relationship as well, if it wasn't yeah. anything that was too heavy or traumatic, yeah. as you go to sleep, you can go, I'm here and I'd love to talk to you. And if you want to come through and talk to me, like I'll be available for the next, hopefully solid eight hours. Um, yeah. And then Trent Dalton, the author who I'm mm. currently obsessed with, the Australian author, he calls them sky conversations. And it's the conversation you have when you're sitting like outside looking at the sunset or or just whatever and you're talking to the person up there in the sky. And that's when you have the most real conversations at the sky conversations because they're not one way, but you also don't have to worry about the words you're choosing or about the other person shutting you down or or their reaction. You get to just say what it is that you feel and mean and know that it will be received. Do you know what? There's another thing in this I've had to do, which is there was someone who passed over in my distant family who was my abuser and I did do this process of release. But I also said, and I no longer wish to have any contact and you are not allowed to reconnect into my aura because that person's guilt and shame on a spiritual level could have them trying to come back. Mm. And I was like, no, we're done. I release you, go. And if that's you too, it's not like, oh, we fell in love in the spirit world and you became one of my guides. Mm. You need to say, that's it for me. We are done. Then that's okay too. Yeah, it's a really good point. When we say resolve relationship, it absolutely could be set a boundary and and Mm. put it behind. Yeah, great. Oh, this is a big one. This is a really big one. (laughs) Okay, you're making me nervous. Gird your loins. Uh, S from the UK asks, I am holding a secret or a lie that is someone else's. How is it affecting my energy? What can I do to resolve it if it is not my truth to tell? Wow, that, can you feel the energy? The energy around this one is massive. Reading that. Yeah. Okay, support you, S. Support you. This is big. Mm -hmm. And obviously this person has listened to the True Alignment podcast episode that we did. So when you hold an untruth for somebody, it's like holding a big rock or a big boulder and it tangles somewhere in your own energy. It kind of weighs you down. And you have to give your energy to holding this shit that's not actually yours. exactly right. Mm. And especially if when you were given that piece of truth, you took it on. Mm. Like there was an unconscious or conscious thought, oh, God, now it's mine. Then you've actually taken the energy on or in and that's where it gets really tangly when your energy has actually said yes to it so you've said somewhere let me take that burden of consequence for you and you've got to ask when that person told or when that person showed Mm, you why were they trying to offload some of that for you Mm. and here lies some of the answer the question is how much of your programming is surrogating which means taking on the energy of that person, protecting them from themselves Mm -hmm. or protecting others from them. So you've become an enabler in the situation because somewhere deep inside you must feel responsible for that person that you've taken the truth on for. So instead of just going, God, I've got to tell everyone or it's my job, the first thing you've got to do is go, why did I take this truth on? Why did they choose me? And what do I want to do and change in this lifetime? And then the question is, what am I going to do about this truth? Am I going to say to them, you've burdened me and it's not okay. It's your truth to tell. And you must do that, you know, as best you can. If you don't, I have to, these are the consequences. I can't be here. I can't be with you anymore. I have to end this relationship. 
or is it that it is time for you to tell and they have to deal with the consequences? Yeah. And that that's requires a psychological process, obviously. Don't just jump. Yeah, because if you're holding this truth or this lie, it's key, if it, is it keeping people safe? Is someone safer yeah. in this world because you are holding on to this or is the only person it's keeping safe somebody who's doing something wrong? Which would be the difference between do you know maybe that somebody in the family is gay and you're holding that secret so that the rest of the conservative family can't hurt them? Or do you know somebody's having an affair on their partner and you're holding that secret and someone's being hurt by you holding the secret? And understanding the energy of why you're choosing to keep the lie and how the energy would shift if you came into the truth, that will help you get to the answer as well. Also, that concept of coming into your truth about Mm. this. What is your truth? What do you need to do? Because the minute it got handed to you, you do have a choice Mm. about what to do with it and you don't need to stay tangled just because that person does. And I think the other thing is there is a karmic energy when we look at stuff like this. It's not random. And I have known somebody who used to teach this spiritually for people and say during a weekend retreat and say are you holding anything for anyone else and they literally loaded them up with rocks and yeah, to go wow. and place them in the river mm. and say I'm giving them back and even like just that. energetically pushing it out of your aura and saying I'm not taking this on I'll tell you why it's so good to do that is that often you'll go to the river and put that rock in the earth and say this rock is holding that lie I'm no longer holding it in my energy or my body or my mind it's not my karmic responsibility usually within a couple of weeks that lie will be exposed in a way that that person didn't because you were holding it and the minute you set it free yeah it got to find somewhere else to go and that would be my other piece of advice the truth always comes out it always comes out maybe not today maybe not tomorrow but at some point it's going to come out and it's going to be revealed that you were holding that truth for a while how are you going to feel on that day? Are you going to look back at, at how you held the truth and what it did to you and feel good about like, no, I did my best with that. It was difficult. Or are you going to look back and go, mm, damn it. I want to say support you as a person support who's held you. truth mm. and not known when to say mm. the truth and then really felt backlash for telling the mm. truth. I really support you, but untangle yourself from this yes. karma. See it as yes. your karmic job to free and liberate yourself, even if it's just by going putting a rock in the river to start with and setting yourself free. Okay, Lena from Sydney asks, I love this question as well, do the spirit world care about career progression and my creative goals (laughs) or is that just me wanting what I want? I get confused about what is human and what is spiritual. Good question. We all do. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, welcome. That never changes. Uh, Yeah. No, look, I think it's all spiritual and human at once. Human is spiritual. Mm. We've just created that separation. And you expressing yourself or creating and expressing yourself in the world is you shining divinity and spirituality into the world. I don't think you can separate that if there's an intention of joy and it brings you joy and you're expressing that. My feeling is that is divine. Yes. And the spirit world care about everything about us. Oh my God. They're so invested yes. in us. They suit. Yes. We're out. We are their favorite topic. They are heavily yes. into us. Yes. They absolutely care about our careers and, and our progression and our creative goals. But their intentions for us are very different. They don't care if you get the promotion. They don't care what your salary is. They don't, then it's not so important to them they care about intentions and joy and soul expansion and learning in this lifetime and coming into alignment and so they don't care if you have the corner office 
they care that you feel in alignment and you feel good about what you're doing and that you're finding purpose and meaning. It's somewhere in your life. It doesn't have to be your job, but somewhere in your life. Yeah. So they don't, again, they don't care if you have like the right clothes or the right hair, unless, you know, it's creative and you like clothes and hair and it brings you joy. They don't judge you. They support you. I think the thing is too that the world needs more dreamers and creators and Mm. manifestors to heal it. Like I have this perception that at some point after this apocalyptic kind of crazy chaotic dark age, we're going to have a renaissance. And so the dreamers and the lovers and the artists and the manifestors are going to be the people that guide that way like yeah. the shining star yeah. we have enough so middle managers and tech bros that and... energy more and more yeah i think the thing is that you'd you'd want to ask is this bringing me joy mm. have i set myself up to enjoy it like if you're starving and you're creating then you'll need to be eating and creating yeah. like it's that flow yeah. that you're talking about and if you have a majillion dollars and you hate going to work do you really need a majillion yeah. dollars could you like find a yeah. middle path no there? it's all about frequency isn't it yeah. Yeah. yeah and in fact a lot of creatives need to create because it's the way they learn it's the yeah. way they evolve and process spiritually mentally yeah. physically emotionally yeah. so for some people it's part of their spiritual journey one of my favorite creators is marcel duchamp and he worked as a librarian so he made some of the most radical art um, of last century, including he's the one that did the the toilet, decided that a urinal was art, which like broke mm. a whole bunch of modern art shit open. People were scandalized, but he was like, this is art because I say it's art. And he was a librarian. He went and worked in the library every single day and just did his radical crazy shit after hours. And that's how he found his balance. Because you know what you don't make a lot of money out of? radical crazy modern art back then anyway you didn't yeah Yeah, and and so he needed to eat so and he needed stability so he was a librarian and that's what he did at the night and then he did his art at night and that's how he found his path um which i think is the middle path pump running the whole balance yeah all right jazzy from michigan hey michigan asks i love this question too because it's also my question, why do I keep making the same mistakes over and over again? How can I change my patterns of self-sabotage? It seems like I do all this work trying to change and then the old chestnuts just keep happening again. Support you, Jazzy. I think a lot of people like, yep, up here in the back. (laughs) Actually, in the front as well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, at the front. Yeah, wonderful question because it does happen to all of us. Mm. And we know it and we feel it on one level when we change, don't we? We get it. Mm. But on another level, it's not getting there. And it's kind of those subconscious levels. So the thing I've learned on working with myself and lots of other people is that we have these parts inside and if you think of them all rowing in a canoe some of the big brave bold parts that you've been teaching all this new stuff to are sitting at the front and they're rowing that canoe but then the little fragile parts at the back of the canoe might go no I'm not playing that game and so now there's this big concept called internal family systems which wasn't around when I first started doing this work I just called it parts all your parts need to be moving in the same direction. So I would say you probably really vibed up the parts that are on board and going to the spiritual workshops. Mm. They're air pumping. They've got it. They can answer every question. Ask the fragile, broken, scared parts down the back, the smallest parts, because they're the parts that probably don't know what to do or don't know how to hold it or don't know how to turn up 
or are going, I'd rather go with him because he looks really attractive. And the bigger part's like, I don't know. And they're like, no, we're going with me. <laughs> so yep. you end up yep. somewhere you didn't think you were going to. You know I, what I, mean? I really like that image. I really like the, the canoe image. That's fantastic. Everyone's got to be rowing in the same direction. Yeah. And I would say to, to really bring those um, the, the scared, small, um, wounded parts of you along, the ones who are up the back of the canoe, do your inner child work and then do it again mm-hmm. and then continue to do it and do it for the rest of your life. Um, and do your shadow work. Again, speaking from personal experience here, this is how I really managed to embed the lessons in my life was shadow work and inner child work were total game changers for me because I traced the patterns back to my where they began and then I healed them there and then it meant they didn't play out in the present moment. And the other thing I would say, Jazzy, is just to be really kind to yourself. Healing is difficult and it takes time and it's not a linear process it is two steps forward one step back two steps forward one step Mm. back and that's okay that's all right if you've ever had a wound on your body heal you know that it doesn't just snap to healing it can take a really really long time for the body to heal it can take a really really long time for the heart and the mind and the spirit to heal as well and it's it's okay Um, important things take time that's just the way the way things go yeah and whenever you're standing at a big t-junction or trying to go at something again just hold your own hand Mm, and ask are all my parts with me Mm, is everyone okay that my highest adult self is going to make this decision that usually means you won't end up in it and have to get out of it you'll make that decision before you get into it and Mm. avoids a lot of the reoccurring yeah yeah We've all been there. Yep. <laughs> Many of us are still there. All it's there. all good. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Okay, Sam from New York City asks, this is a big question. This is a big question, Sam. Thank <laughs> you for starting that Another way. One. This is a big question, but I wonder if there is anything we should do before we die. Mm. Like, are there things that are more important to achieve than others in this life? Wow, I just heard that wear sunscreen song from the nineties. That is I graduated. So that 90s. was my high school. Was that my high school graduating year? I can't that was remember. Everybody's high school graduation in whatever year it came out. It's international <laughs> listeners, you might not know it, but you need to. It's called the sunscreen song. I know that sounds ridiculous. Google it. You're gonna love it. Uh, people <laughs> in Australia, welcome back to the nineties. Welcome <laughs> back to your graduation. Chopper chops out, people. Okay, so. Wow, that is a big question because every soul is different and every soul will have different soul contracts as we've Mm -hmm. spoken about before. So the question would be, I guess the first thing to do is to stop and ask, and this is why people go on Vipassana, particularly around 22, 33, 44, we ask the question, who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing right now? Mm -hmm. And if we give the soul time and space, it will answer. It will give us a hint uh, a vision an epiphany an inspiration it will pull us in a direction and it will show us what we're meant to be doing right now in fact I like to live every day like that and ask what is today about what am I meant to get done maybe it's nothing maybe it's sit in your underwear and make a podcast I mean I often wake up in the morning and go who am I why am I here what am I meant to be doing what's my name (laughs) making peanut butter toast that's what you're meant to be doing But I think on a complete energy global level, like if we're all looking at it from that perspective, it is to find some kind of harmonic peace with ourselves, with our world, with each other. And that's not easy. That's not necessarily attainable this lifetime. It is to kind of give it your best shot 
I think. Um, I, I would answer this very much from a yogic perspective because that is what I've dedicated the last 15 years of my life to and that is the philosophy that I or the prism mm-hmm. that I understand a lot of, of the big questions through. And so I would say spend some time each day making peace with the fact that you will die so that when you get there, it, it's okay. And because you don't, you're definitely going to get there. Like it's definitely going to happen, even though I'm pretty convinced I'll be the first person who cracks the code and doesn't actually die. But experience tells us that 100% of people die. So practice being comfortable with that fact so that when you get there, you've got a better chance, if circumstances allow, of having a graceful exit and having an exit where you're, you're doing okay as you go over, whatever that might look like at that time. So practice for death, acknowledge yeah. death, embrace death, yeah. become friends with death and love your body because your body is a library book and one day yeah. you will have to give it back. That's the deal. And so on the day when you give the library book back, you don't want that to be the day that you realize, oh my God, this thing is incredible. What do you mean I have to give it back? You want to get to that day and go, I loved you, body. God, we had some good times, didn't we? And be able to gracefully give it back with love and gratitude and appreciation and a life well spent together. And I think Stephen Jenkinson really hit home about this when he wrote his book. He made a film called The Grief Walker and he said when we acknowledge death Mm. and we understand death, we learn to live. Yes. And I think our job of learning to live is what we need to do before we die, don't you think? I mean, it's yeah. so crazy, but that's actually the whole point. All these rich idiots who are trying to like freeze their bodies in the hope that they'll be able to live forever. I could think of nothing worse than living forever. Like the reason life is yeah, so I'm good is because it's a limited, it's, and it's a Not limited time it, deal. Yeah, like yeah. that's why life is so good because it's short and it's like we're here for a good time and not for a long time. Um, the idea of eternal life just sounds super boring to me. Um, check in with me on the day that I die, see how I still feel about that that statement. Hopefully very peaceful. <laughs> I think the thing that's interesting, the more you work with spiritual work, the more you practice letting go, yeah, letting yeah. things be, not coming from your ego. Like I have this thing that I've been working on for the last 15 years. Every time, every time something triggers my ego, breathe, exhale, let it go. Yeah. Practice that over and over again. And what ends up happening is you start living life like, huh, it kind of Mm. you learn to just practice a flow and then that's actually what it's like giving birth or dying is that you learn it's the ultimate form of letting go so i think it's all the practices it's just completely being mindful about the way you live so you can and tell the people that you love that you love them constantly and effusively and frequently and delightfully and tell them in whatever your love language is and figure out what their love language is and tell them in that as well tell everybody that you love them all of the time connect with people and then you won't have to worry that you didn't say it in fact people will be like yeah no no you got that you got that i get it you love me uh okay star from darwin asks this is a good question i feel good until i compare myself to others how do I stop comparing myself or is it simply human nature and I need to live with it? Mm. That's a big one, isn't it? Because very there is modern. an element. Yeah, there's a very modern. Mm. There is a big element of using comparison, almost like to spatially regulate ourselves, to mm. feel our way through the world. It's kind of a natural response to go, oh, bumper car, you're over there and I'm there and that's how the world is real. So it's part of perception. 
But I think there's also an aspect to it that is more mindful where you say, I acknowledge that that's over there or that person's over there doing that. That is where they are. That is their race track. That is their journey. And coming back to going, and where am I? Because if you keep looking at that, you're not looking at where you are and that's where the tangle gets. I don't think there's any harm in acknowledging it and witnessing it and asking what does that trigger in me and what do what does it tell me I need to do more of? Because often we're triggered in others by what we're not doing enough of ourselves. Yeah. I think the mistake in comparison is if you look at it and you go, I'm going to do that too because the energy is all coming and going outward. The minute you come inward and call it back in and say, what am I meant to be doing? And you don't get that answer straight away. It's often a very long sitting. What do I need to be doing? What is it that I'm missing? Where am I meant to plant my energy? Then it will show you. And it's often usually very different to what you've been looking at with somebody else. And then it becomes, you don't have time to be worrying about what everyone else is doing. And yeah. what you don't see yourself is on the same railway track. You, you don't necessarily have to completely not acknowledge that person or acknowledge them. It's just all railway tracks, all heading in different destinations, but they're going past each other. And there's a lot of people on this planet. Who are you comparing yourself to? So if you if that's what you're doing, there's a reason you're comparing. Yeah, are you you comparing yourself? Because you could also be comparing yourself to people who don't have as much of uh, of anything as you, and looking at them and going killing it. And like not even killing it, but like you could get a bit of superiority going on. Like I'm a, I'm a better person than most people. Or you can look at the people who have more than you in whatever it is that you're mm. thinking about and go, I'm a piece of shit compared to those people or I'm not as far along as I want to be. So think about who you're comparing yourself to and why. Think about are we in a starvation economy? Like if somebody else is in love and you're not in love and you like, is there only so much love to go around and the fact that they have it means you can't have it? Or is that just a story that capitalism has told you? It's just a story that capitalism has told you. It's not real. Um, So think about who you're comparing to. Think about why you've chosen to live in a starvation economy and why you're seeing the world as a fight against other people rather than a communing with other people. And yeah, give, ask Give in to yourself and use every time that you feel bad as the beginning of the conversation, not the end. All right, why? Why is this hurting my feelings? Is it because, yeah, it's something I really want? Or is it because it's something I've been told I want and I don't actually want it and I'm so confused that I don't want it and it's turning up as jealousy? But actually what it really is is an opportunity to go, no, I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. Even though nobody else is here, that's okay because I'm not living anybody else's life. I'm living my life. And I'm doing a really good job of it. That would be the the other thing I quickly want to say. Star, I bet you're killing it. I bet you're doing a really good job of your life. I bet everybody else can just shut up and let you do be the person who knows best how to live their life. Have at it. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because as soon as you feed the aspects of yourself that you're witnessing in someone else, like as soon as you give yourself, not necessarily what they're doing or what they're having, but you give it to yourself you're chasing your own dream again. Yeah. You're back in your own railway track yeah. and that's when you'll start to feel full again. If you're giving all your energy to them, you're going to be completely emptying yourself every time. Mm. I once read this girl and she was really upset at people who, you know, um, beautified themselves and people who had Botox and lips and she just went on and on and on about it. And it consumed her to a point I had to say, are we going to spend this part of the reading talking about your hatred of women who beautify themselves? Like, 
I'm sure I see it. I see it's not balanced in some people, but why does this consume mm. you? And she sat and she just stared at me for a minute because she thought I would get on to the bandwagon yeah, yeah. about, yes, I agree, it's not healthy and blah, blah, blah. And she wasn't getting that endorsement. And I said to her, can I just ask you for a moment, are you feeling like your feminine is starving? Do you beautify uh, yourself? Yeah. Do you give yourself the chance to be shiny and sparkly and noticed and loved for your feminine energy in the world? And she just went totally silent. I said, yeah. okay, you may not want to do Botox, but that's where the pain is. Yeah, that's yep. where it all started. Mm-hmm. And we have to go back to that place and that's where you feel you'll stop looking at yeah. everyone else the yeah. minute you start And it is, it, it's such a modern question because everything is comparison now. How many, because we have social media <laughs> and we constantly see each other. That's the other thing to remember. Everybody lies on social media. Every single one oh, of us avatar. posts the pretty fit picture rather than the ugly picture about the day that things are going well with our partner rather than the day when we want to get divorced mm. for a day from our partner. Um, mm. Social media, it's not real. Whatever you're comparing yourself to, it's not real. The only real Even thing. Even the authenticity is, can be faux. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm having a bad day. It's yeah. still faux on some level, really. It's still curated. The only thing that is real is what's happening inside you and what you are feeding to yourself and giving to yourself and how you are supporting yourself. That you can truly know about. Everything else outside of you can never truly know about it. So stop giving it so much weight and power. And again, I bet you killing it at your life. Just keep going, girl. Just keep going. Go star. Susan from Perth asks, what is your driving force that guides you moving through the day when everything just feels so big and so unmanageable? The world feels too out of balance for anything to be solved. Am I pessimistic? Do you guys have a secret answer? We do not. How do I cope with feeling the suffering of the world? The more I have delved into my spiritual journey, the more I just feel everything all of the time. I just cry now at the drop of a hat. Uh, how do I care but not end up on the ground in a ball every 10 minutes? Oh, wow. Support you. That is such a, an amazing question and I'm sure so many people resonate. Especially this year. With that question. Mm. Yes. How do I get through the day? That's a good question. Mm. So I think, well, generally I have an order and a routine and I encourage yeah, anyone nice who's one. doing spiritual work to have an order and a routine. Um, a daily practice where I ground, reset, protect and connect with my breathing just to get everything rhythm that's just basic mechanics it's not rocket science that's just the basics and then at least once a month I'll process energies thoughts and emotions in a pretty big way so that I keep that in my awareness what's going on with me because often what we see going on outside and what we can't cope with outside is something that's been going on inside yes. yeah. that we're also not micro macro taking care of so, so if anyone was going through this in 2020 and it's like that's really driving me nuts the disempowerment around that or i'm feeling that really strongly yeah it's probably got something to do with some deeper subconscious issue personally yeah. that hasn't been resolved and you know i think the other thing that helps me get through a day is i have faith in something so much bigger than me i feel yeah. so tiny i don't feel like i'm supposed to carry it at all carry it all i don't feel like i'm supposed to carry it all i don't feel like i can carry it all every single day at the end of the day i hand it over i hand over anything i can't cope with i can't make better i can't heal i haven't been able to do i hand the whole thing over so i can start again otherwise i take it to bed and I start with it all building up like a big donkey cart that I'm pulling up a hill. Whereas I tend to say the universe is 
that's the universe's job, the bigger forces. That's their job. Yeah. My job's just to do what I can with what I've got where I am, yep. basically. And I know I said that we don't have a secret answer, but we do. And that is it. Like, <laughs> that is actually it. That is our secret yeah. answer. We both believe in something higher. We both pray. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. how I... That's how I do it, the handing over as well. I have a saviour complex mm. and I have a bit of a control complex. I talked about this mm. on here on this before. And that used to be how not only I approached my personal relationships, but how mm. I approached the world. Like maybe I need to fix this. Maybe I need to take it all on. Maybe I need to solve it all. And it was a really big change for me when I realised that I don't have to, not qualified, not my job, mm. can do the best I can to make things yep. campsite rule leave the world in a better place than I found it, but it's not my job to solve it all. And realizing that I could hand things over and ask for help from God on the days where I'm like, this is too much for me. Can you, could you please step up? (laughs) Like, could you take this? I can't take this. Could you take this? And that I was allowed to surrender and that it actually made me feel really good. And it made me free because I could let it go. I didn't have to keep holding onto it. Um, Yeah. And then the protecting your energy. Laying your golden Mm. dome, really knowing where you end and other people begin and allowing Mm. yourself to feel really confident in your boundaries that you Mm. can, you can also, you can read the newspaper and see the suffering of the world and have a lot of compassion and empathy for it, but not take it on. You can sit with a friend who's having a really difficult time and support them in the most beautiful manner, but not take it on. You figure out what you do carry and what you don't carry and let yourself do that. You are allowed to do that. It is not your job to fix the world. It is too big. So stop trying. And I think it's true that when you develop connection with yourself and your spiritual world and your work, you become sensitive. You can't Mm. change that. We are wired to block less we're trying to build an intuitive system so everything goes right into the heart center almost so that you become more of what you're working towards so it is difficult to just go block I mean the daily gold dome is absolutely a frequency shifter that is going to help anyone just on a daily level but the superpower I think comes when you transmute this energy when you learn that okay, that is reflecting something within me. The Dalai Lama talks about this all the time. If we can each solve that pain within ourselves as whatever it means for us and rise above it and say, okay, now what am I going to do with it? Am I going to paint something? Am I going to become an activist? Am I going to be of service? We become alchemists. Mm. We transmute suffering into love. So, And as soon as you become of service, as soon as you become activated, you can get out of that space of being under it and get up and do something with it. I think that's how it get I get through the day. Yeah. And today, particularly in the last two days, my inbox has been flooded with people who are in a dark space, which is very interesting because the shadow is crossing the earth. And it always comes, it's, a ha- it's called an eclipse hangover. And people go through this feeling of this energy on the earth. Mm. But we will come out of it. There yeah. is the light, like the moon, we'll come into a new phase. We'll be whole again. We've tide just goes out, tide goes that in. We're just, yes, we've got to remember to move with this and also to become positively activated about changing it. Yeah. But again, handing it over at the end of every day, it's all you can do. You can only do so, so much. So, yeah, Susan, I would, I would 
Ask yourself what your spiritual practice is at the moment, the framework you see the world through and how you practice it every day and how you let it ground you. And what's your creative practice? How do you express yourself? If you're crying for 10 minutes every day, that's fine, but make sure you express it as well. Send that energy out into the world in a beautiful form. Um, Don't just let it sit on the floor of the bedroom. Um, and stay there and come back to it every day. Sarah from Sydney asks, and I love this question, do you have an all-time favorite cannot live without crystal, plant or meditation that you hold beyond all others? I would like to buy a gift for myself. I have so many favorite crystals Mm. because they're all different for different reasons. And they're all special in their own special way. They They all have special names. I love black obsidian. And smoking quartz mm. for cleansing, like just holding and anchoring. So if you're going through a big time, I'll put that in my bed. So if you don't mm. have a chunk of that, get yourself some of that. I also adore rose quartz because you can put it in the bottom of a shower, a bath, next to your bedside table. Just emanates that harmony into mm-hmm. the world. Meditation, definitely we spoke about this grounding gold dome protection, but also the maidenhair fern, don't mm. you? I love a maidenhair fern, although I'm terrible at keeping them alive. Do they love you? Tips for my terrarium. (laughs) No, they feel too delicate for me, maybe. Yeah. My partner is the green thumb. Yeah, okay. Not me. Okay. This is a tricky one for me to answer because I lived out of a suitcase for so long. So it was what could come with me, which was never a plant, unfortunately. I used to be a traveler back in the days when we were allowed to do that. Meditation for me, so is the golden dome meditation. I took that with me all around the world. I practiced it all around the world. And I think, I mean, in terms of crystals, do I have too many? Of course I do. I'm a white woman who's into woo-woo stuff. Of course I have too many crystals. Um, I think for me, though, it would be my altar. So that was always my sacred space. Whenever I traveled, every different room I was in, I'd set up my altar. That's how I would know that I'm home. Now that I still am still, I have my altar set up. It's still how I know that I'm home. So I think my altar, um, my golden dome meditation and... um, just plants in general, just green stuff, forests, love it. Don't know if you can buy yourself a whole forest, Sarah, as your gift. Um, good luck with that. <laughs> Leon from Sydney asks, oh, yeah, okay. Okay, how do I go about making big decisions and using my intuition? How do I know it is not my fear talking? Mm. fraka. Yeah. What did you say? Sorry, that was German. <laughs> I love it. What did you say? Good question. <laughs> oh good. my gosh! You, look at that, just fluent. <laughs> so fluent. Mm. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so first step: daily connection, calming, and grounding in the body. That gold dome meditation that I've recorded, actually, didn't we? Into this yes. season one of the yes. movie. So all go those back years and ago, get into mm. that. Because that, what did the Buddha say? It clears the pond Mm. so you can feel and see clearly. The reason people do that is it's like clearing the channel. And then you can start to feel and see all the different energies. When it's all coming at you, it's a little bit like sitting there and people just screaming at you or energies just all coming and you're like, what does that mean? Where does that mean? Now, the other way you can do this is to decipher the sign and the thought is to ask what your gut feels about it. Mm. So you might see something that you go, I think that was a yes, go to Hawaii. But if you check into your gut, your navel center and ask gut, 
what does that feel like about Hawaii? Your gut might go, oh, God, I actually felt tight, tense, yep. cold. I'm going to ask again. And you might get two things together that describe Hawaii, green light, warm, beautiful sensation, someone telling you how wonderful Hawaii was. So you put it all together. But you can only get that clarity if you are grounded, calm, and in some kind of smooth, energetic frequency. Otherwise, you are literally picking up on everything, including your fear-based thoughts, which can then ricochet back into you. And I have a rule that if I'm not calm and I can't get a direct yes or no, then I it's a no. I have to wait until yep. I get more information. Yep. So I always come back to that grounding, plugging in, connecting, and it still happens to me. I've been reading for 20 years. I've taught thousands of people how to read and I still have to go hold on a minute I've got to rebuild and reconnect because I think I'm interfering in the process yeah so it's normal it's interesting that I just busted out a bit of German then because the thing about intuition is that it's learning another language it is and the same rules of learning a language apply it's a practice and you practice makes progression so use it or lose it as well. You've got to like keep a, keep a constant practice going. Mm. You've got to accept that at the beginning, you're not going to know what's going on and you're not going to understand what's being said. And occasionally you're going to sound like an idiot, um, even though you're doing your best. Yeah. So it, patience, patience, intuition. It's like it's a language. I guess that you could think of it as a muscle that you strengthen as well. And these things take mm. time. Um, yeah. So don't worry if at the moment you're like, I don't know, is this my fear talking or not? Keep going with the practice as Lynette described. And eventually you'll know exactly what's being said. Most of the time it will be clear to you what's happening. Um, And also know that intuition is usually the first thought that comes through. It's rarely like, and then the fear kicks in with all the reasons why it's not possible. So if it's like the initial reaction and it doesn't go away, no matter how much you try to talk yourself out of it, Mm, that's probably, yeah, that's (laughs) probably intuition right there. And the fear can talk as much as it wants, but the intuition will still be riding along. It'll be the thing you're trying to talk yourself out of. I always teach that the first step is to clear the fear. So Mm. if you recognize, I think I'm feeling scrambled or frightened, I'm going to stop and not do anything. You've just corrected the pump and the energy mechanics of that first step. The more you do that and you say to people, sorry, I I can't make that decision. I'm going to need more time. And you step back, you've made a decision. Your pump has just gone, thank you. You were not in a great space to do that. You didn't do it. Tick. And the next time will get stronger and stronger and stronger. So to start with, it's just a whole lot of, I'm sorry, I have no hits. I'm sorry, I don't feel it. I nebia a bitter. Yeah, (laughs) and then it starts to get stronger and stronger and stronger. You go, oh my goodness, it's there it is. I got Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, that was a no. And then it reinforces itself. So yeah, start from the beginning. Start from the space of the mess and the fear. And then it becomes clear. All right, MH asks... In Australia, we moved very quickly from mass outrage and sadness, followed by a branding together to give as much as we could financially and physically to help the victims of the bushfires. This is what happened in Australia Mm. in January. Um, And then in the Mm. coronavirus pandemic, it was an every man for himself mentality, a feeling of Mm. scarcity showing up in the bizarre panic buying and stockpiling of grocery items, people taking way more than they needed and leaving others without. What's Mm. going on? How did we shift gears so quickly? Mm. What's the energetic take on this it's interesting because now in australia they're talking about food wastage in australia is at its highest levels ever because everybody panic bought stuff they didn't need and now they're throwing it out because they never needed and it it's tricky it was, isn't it, it was because fine. then adelaide got locked down with no notice so mm. if you're a parent at home with five children 
you were going to stockpile some flour and some wheat bix because yep. what if you were not able to go out and you didn't have a shop 20 kilometers from your house so it's tricky it's kind of we've been receiving two different messages but I think it's the duality of being human in some way mm. it's like we saw the best the highest potential I like to call it yeah and then we saw us at our most groveling golem worst stealing mm. and taking toilet paper from each other and mm. you know charging $80 for hand sanitizer and I think on some level we're seeing the duality that we're still stuck in yeah. and one of the things I thought about recently was how sad it is that when we've been watching our tv screens we're watching politicians we're watching doctors we're watching scientists but where are the true spiritual voices amongst this to bring all of that together like I have seen Deepak step up and I know other teachers like Brene Brown they tried and have stuff going on out there but really we're hearing still a very old paradigm voice about it so there's no one going listen everyone there's a global pandemic our world is screaming in pain why don't we take a moment to look at how we can let our most vulnerable go first what they need you know if you have extra if you'd like to give that'd be fantastic now let's take care of everybody we need ppe for nurses and doctors you won't miss out just wait a moment make one out of a sock no one was talking like that. Everyone fueled this separation. Yep. So the answer is that regardless of not having those teachers necessarily out there is we need to become that as much as we can until there's a tipping point, essentially. Yeah, and we all contain multitudes. So the same people who donated and supported bushfire victims were the same people who got scared and hoarded stuff. Yeah, like the yang symbol. Yeah, we're talking about Australia. We can really only specifically talk about Australia. It's where we're based um, and, and where we've experienced this pandemic. So there's that. Like people contain multitudes and on some days we're really, we're, humans are amazing and on other days humans are shit mm. um, and it's just the nature of humanity. And the other thing I would say is that, it, yes, there was panic buying and it was, it was not good, but also Melbourne locked down hard for three months to save the rest yeah. of Australia from our second wave. Wave. And every single person in Victoria took on that personal responsibility and took one for the team and did an incredible job of it. And they might have also been panic buying at some point at the supermarket, but they also stayed inside for three months because they knew that they needed to. So it's complicated. <laughs> it is complicated. And I think the answer is that even when you feel yourself go down there, like I think I told a story about how I went to Bunnings and I bought the masks and the man said but I've got none for my electrician I said okay I'll leave you two mm. and I'll take these and then I gave some to my elderly neighbor and blah 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 it's I think when you feel yourself go there you have to stop and come back to the heart space and say what would my highest yeah, part yeah. want to do and what's the balance here and I think unifying this and bringing it back into positive compassionate balance yeah. through action mm. is very key but it's a big journey. We've been talking about this all year yeah. in nearly every single episode. How do we fix all these different aspects of ourselves, society, everything? Yeah. This is the quandary we're in. Yeah, and I had a couple of moments where I wanted to panic buy, where I was so – there's only me. Nobody. I'm only feeding me. If I don't 
can't eat for a day or so is not a problem. It's fine. So I'm very at the bottom of the table of who needs access to the resources, right? But I had a couple of moments where there was so much fear, especially in those early weeks of the pandemic in Australia, where I'd go to the supermarket and I'm an empath. So I'd like lock into the fear. And I had a few moments where I was like, okay, maybe I need four of those. And I actually had to like take it back out of my trolley and go, you don't need four of those. You need one of those. Here's your spiritual practice. It's right here. Put those back. Take a few breaths. You have enough. Chuck some Beyonce on your headphones. It's going to be fine. And that was my like, I'm not, I don't want to pretend that I'm perfect at this. Like I had to stop and check in and go, okay, you're scared. It's okay, but you don't need more. It's okay. Yeah. And I've also made a real commitment to help organizations that are helping people who mm. are really suffering directly. Yeah. So um, the Australian Centre for um, Refugees yeah. and the way they've been helping people through to help them directly, go directly mm. to them yeah. so that the authoritarian power ceases and it becomes a multidimensional version of power that's the way we help each other through this you know is that we start giving power to those who don't have power and that empowers us in some way and i wonder if at some point as well we all have a knowledge of climate change at this point it's in the nobody whether you believe it exists or not everybody knows that it's a conversation i know it blows the mind doesn't it but we we know the term climate change we know what that means so when the fires happened we were like okay this is horrible but it makes sense we're kind of ready for this in a way. When the pandemic happened, none of, very few of us had lived through a pandemic before. So that kind of smacked us all a bit for six in those early weeks. We we're like, we don't know what this is. We don't know what to do with this. This doesn't make sense for us. I probably need a lot of toilet paper. Like that's probably what I need. <laughs> it's interesting though, isn't it? Because we've spoken about this many times, but the same people that might totally believe in climate change could believe that this is a total pandemic and not believe in it at all so we are not living in the same reality or the same paradigms and you can be very much for one thing and not another thing Mm. that used to live on the same spectrum so it is very tricky and it just requires us all to just stop and really come at it from a higher perspective heart space perspective yeah it's always a call but to yeah, go back to the major heart. spiritual <laughs> dilemma hashtag 2020 yep yes huge. yes Uh, Okay, JD asks, Kiki has spoken about experiencing other people's emotions during her yoga classes. I'm really worried that I sound like a creep now, Um, but I do. I do experience other people's um, emotions. Uh, Could you please talk more about this and the ways that you manage it? As a social worker of many years, this is something I experience a lot and have only just started to manage it. I'm interested in hearing other people's experiences and where this fits with everything in the Woomiverse. Yeah, and we really spoke about this in our energy mechanics episode, mm. didn't we? Like that's the gold dome and the grounding and protection, all those yeah. basic things that we do as empaths. I certainly suffered from this for years. Like I had no idea that I they weren't my feelings. Yes. Isn't it a revelation <laughs> when you figure out, oh, my God, this isn't mine? And then you can go, I'm at the point where I, now I can go, okay, whose is it? Who in the room? Okay, you over there, lady. This yes. is your fear or your sadness or your anger. Cool. Okay, not mine. Especially if you're used to feelings checking yourself in the morning. Mm. How am I feeling? Am I hungover from a dream? Or am I angry? Am I irritated? And then you go out and all of a sudden you're feeling like you want to grieve. Mm. You're like, hold on a minute. I wasn't grieving 20 minutes ago. And then you realize. But it is interesting because some people have been carrying this all their life. And it's only once they're an adult, they're like, oh, my God, that rage wasn't mine. It was my dad's. I think that 
you know, I definitely gold dome, but when I'm really feeling it, I rub my hands together and place them over my navel because it's the navel that the energy actually gets into and you can feel it through your body. If everyone thinks it's through your third eye, third eye is perceptive, but it's not necessarily taking it on a physical empathetic level. It's through your body. It's through your navel. So rubbing your hands together and really securing that lower channel down there just putting your hands over for a couple of seconds people think you're weird I do it all the time while I'm we do reading. a lot of things that people think is weird <laughs> it's fine. put those hands over that navel <laughs> yeah and the other thing I do I'm a big believer of washing it down the drain yeah showers yeah. are my life baths are my life and at the end of every day I just wash it down and ask it to be transmuted become an alchemist as I was talking about before turn it into love and hand it back yeah yeah I would also say get out of the room if you can like if you're unclear if you're working with someone or if you're teaching a yoga class or whatever or even just if you're hanging out with a friend and there's like a lot of emotion going on and you're like this is a lot for me I don't know if this is mine why am I feeling this way because often that would be it they would just creep on and all of a sudden be like oh my god why am I feeling like this like a boiling pot yeah get out of the room even if you're just like I'm just gonna go for a walk I need to go to the bathroom whatever (laughs) get yeah get out and then check in and go okay now that I'm out of this space now that I'm out of the presence of this person am I still feeling this or am I not okay that's probably going to tell me if it's mine or not and then you can give it back you can always just go whatever this heavy emotion is that's not mine like I it's like oh you know when you play with a toddler and they show you what they've got and you like take it and you look at it and you go this is good but you always hand it back to them that's like the rules of the game you can do the same thing you can be like yep I see these emotions but I'm going to give them back to you they're not actually mine I can't do anything with this except for give it back to you you're the one who can do something with this and and if it lingers it usually is that there is something unresolved inside that you might like to go oh that's lingered for a couple of days I've really become fixated on that person and their feeling I might do a little bit more investigation around that because sometimes that's why it's sticky it's got velcro it's like got something to stick on and that's why it becomes sticky it yeah I think that's really important is to hand it back and step out of the room that's a great one break the energy connection break the phone line Yeah, and also, honestly, being an empath yoga teacher sometimes is the best. I don't know what Shavasana is like for yoga teachers who aren't empaths, but for me, it's like the best 10 minutes of my week because everyone's in this delightful place. They're all kind of like floating and they're in their higher vibes and I'm just sitting there in the middle of it and it's it's delightful. It's delightful and I enjoy it. I feel like that in shares in recovery 12-step groups. Mm. It's not being them being at their rock bottom. It's the feeling of truth in a yes. room like a when somebody has finally said, oh. I'm not going to carry this burden. I have been smoking and taking cocaine for six years and I stole my kids' lunch money and and they're just like, I'm done with it. I'm done with myself. I just want love. I want truth. I want peace. And there is a part of me just going, yes. It's like the power of a thousand Marla orgasms, Singer isn't it? From Fight Club because you she do was have like, a Marla I think Singer. that's what she was tapped into a little bit. She was kind like, I love it. Um, thanks for your question. There, um, who is that? Thanks, JD. SB asks, my query is about finding and expressing my voice and how can I create the space and confidence to be heard? I'm trying to find my voice emotionally, spiritually and physically. I'm intelligent and have interesting things to say, but I get shy. I fear being judged and fear hurting others when it comes to expressing my view. Similarly, I feel that in meetings at work that people talk over me, they don't listen to me and they don't hear me. I can hardly get a word in. 
I'm naturally more thoughtful and don't just talk for talk's sake, but then I get caught out being perceived as the quiet one with nothing to contribute. It goes back to parental issues of my father shutting down my opinions when I was making suggestions for positive change. Eventually, I became exhausted, defeated or terrified by his angered response that was disproportionate to my opinion. So if you have any advice for liberating the voice and being truly heard, I'd love to know. We got you. Oh, my God. We got Mm, you, SB. We have lots to say about this. And the throat center is so important because it's a power center that connects you to your divine frequency it's a corrector of energy and time and space and it illuminates the physical world so it's really important and my first piece of advice would be anywhere that you read the same energy that you experience with your father so if you start working with a boss or and you go this is my dad yeah bingo you need to stop and go I am in trigger territory Mm. it's going to be very hard for me to use my voice because I think we give ourselves this kind of bad rap where we're like mm. we should be able to use our voice anywhere Harsh but if you ourselves. have suffered that level of use and memory it is very hard to speak up it's almost like you do not have psychological control in that moment and i think unless it's you've practiced yeah and i think it's easier if you let yourself go okay here we are like i'm trying to use my voice but i've got this boss triggers me like my dad if you then pile onto yourself in that position and go well you're a piece of shit why can't you get it together you're kind of just being your dad but if you're like okay no here we are this is the difficult situation all right i'm gonna try my best mm. and i'm gonna go slow and i'm gonna love myself through it you've got such a better chance of success hold your child mm. too you know it's so funny i don't know if you can hear at my end but somebody has started a leaf blower while we're talking about this. So as we're answering this question, infiltration of someone else's feeling and sound Mm. is coming through. I can't stop them. So we're going to work through it and we're just going to go no. And we're going to be clear anyway. We've hit on those great points, but I think the other thing is to make sure you comfort your child if you know you're in that situation. In a child. Even just holding your little pinky to say I've got you when you're about to speak, which might become your calling thing that you do every time you've got to speak. But this is going to sound a little strange. The way I would work through it is not necessarily try to do it in those situations to start with. I would get into my body. I would learn, you know, they practice this in many ways in different cultures, but it's drumming, taiko drumming is amazing for this because you have to speak through the drum. You can't hit that drum timidly. You have to go bump, 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 bump. You have to really learn to push the energy into the drum to let the drum speak to the universe. That's why we do it that way. And so taiko drumming, walking with purpose, moving the body with purpose, singing with purpose That's my suggestion. in the car. open that throat taking singing Um, lessons energy yeah it's about getting the energy of your presence out into the earth it's about getting your energy not necessarily out through your voice first but out through your body into something and let it make its presence felt and then it becomes easier to do with your voice so singing and and sounding and growling and yoga breaths there's yoga breaths isn't there that work on that Yep. Throat yeah, chakra, absolutely. The breath, is yeah, there? yep. And so I would say do that. And then when you're ready to start the physical voice, like the physical voice and actually speaking mm. up in situations, don't start at work, start in friendship groups, mm. start in places where you're really, you feel safe and you can ask for support and you can go, I, I don't feel like I talk enough. I, I feel like I have more than off to offer. Could you help me with this? 
Like, could you, if you ask me how I am and all I say is good, could you say, come on, tell me more. <laughs> let's keep going. Yes. Like, talk to me. Um, and then build up to like, let's speaking up at work be your Olympics, right? Train for it and then tackle it rather than feeling like you have to start there and work your way back. And I would yes. say learn about, and talking from personal experience here, learn about the mechanics of your voice. Because speaking is something we just, most of us just know how to do. And so we don't think about what it actually means to speak and where our breath comes from and what parts of the body we're using. And, and, and I didn't know how to speak. I had a lisp when I was a kid. I didn't know how to speak. I had to learn how to speak. And because I had to learn how to speak, it was innate to everybody else. It was not innate to me because I had to learn how to do it. I discovered my power in it. And you may need to learn how to use your voice through speaking lessons and singing lessons and getting really comfortable with the actual mechanics of it. So that when the, the yeah, yeah. outside of the office, so that Mm. then when you're ready, when that little gap opens up in the meeting in a year's time, you've done all the work that you can just Mm. step into it. And if anyone's out there and they're like, no, it's really restricted, it's definitely powerful, especially if you've got this kind of circumstance where it was a particular person, particular Mm. setup, a particular energy. It's gestalt therapy. It's somatic body work. It's ways that you move through the memory of it and then create a new action. Like you actually learn to scream or shout or push your voice out in that circumstance. And then what happens is your chakras develop a new memory. So when we get scared, we shut them down and they become very small. So even if we're going voice open, the chakra goes, no, because I'm scared. I'm protecting you. So we have to teach it. I am safe. And then once it feels safe and it can handle the outcome, you'll be able to do it. So sometimes it takes deeper psychological work. And like you said, the mechanics of your voice, like learning how to literally use parts of your voice that you weren't allowed to use when you were little. Yeah. Where we have our biggest wounding is our potential for our biggest healing. So this, I'm so sorry that your dad treated you like that. It's not it's not okay. He should have cared for you. He shouldn't have hurt you. But the fact that you now have this in your life to heal it can be amazing. Like you, this can be life changing for you. Like this can be absolutely incredible. And what an amazing project to have, because you've got to do something like with your time and learning how to speak and be heard and stand in your power. That is a good project for 2021. I wish you all the luck in the world. I hope that this time next year, you are just talking up in those meetings. Just feeling good. Yeah, and expressing it any way you can. Fantastic. Let's all express ourselves more. I think we're going to. 2021 is going to be about expressing ourselves. Mm, I think Madonna said it best. Um, hey, Elle, that's, the mailbag is empty. We got there. That's all the questions. Woo Woo vs. Crew. Oh, we love you, Woo Woo Crew. Thank you for following us through this yes. journey and sending those in. Yeah, so we're yeah, getting we're really insightful. close to the end of season two. We're getting close to the end of 2020 we're getting close to the end of season two of the woo woo verse we love you we support you we thank you for listening to us you can find us on instagram at woo verse if you want to send us a question hq at woo verse.com where can we find you on the internet and out in the world l so you can find me at myenergymentor.com or on Instagram at My Energy Mentor. I am the Energy Mentor. Just search me <laughs> under Lynette, My Energy Mentor. You'll find me there. Where are you? If you want to come find me, Sacred and Profane. That's the 
beginning and the end of what you need to know about me, Sacred and Profane at uh, Instagram and KiraLeeLynch.com on the internet at my website. Did I just sound really old when I explained it like that? The, in- <laughs> the internet. <laughs> you'll mm, find that's where me you'll find there. me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Elle, support you. Hey, Elle, support you. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. The Wooverse is recorded and edited by our incredible super producer, Dan Zivkovic. We love him. And if this conversation has brought up anything for you or if there's any extra work you've realised you want to do around this topic, then please know that you do not have to traverse the Wooverse alone. We encourage you to build a support team around you and to do what you need to do to take really good care of yourself because you're amazing. So be good to you.